I like the, the, uh, this goes back to why we've been, you know, supporting you for so long and in, in the, in the organization, like the subject matter is intriguing to, to us, you know, you know, to hear your experience of, of starting the museum, um, this new concept of a museum in a certain industry and in, in the certain ways that you did, um, is again with an inquisitive mind super intriguing and i think that was that was number one for me why we wanted to work with you on this and, and really okay then how can we do our best to portray that through the visuals uh some of the, that those aspects that you're going to be really diving into uh in your book and like we talked about earlier you know we were we were there with you at the beginning and have seen the museum you know, really take shape and blossom and grow and and know some of the stories, but you know aren't in your head and don't don't have all the stories. And yeah. I, I think it's real interesting to to be able to to dig in and and really really understand it all. Welcome to Inside Front Cover, the nine episode podcast chronicling the design process behind the cover of my new book. I'm Sam Aquilano. I'm an entrepreneur and business designer, and I'm the founder and executive director of Design Museum Everywhere. That was Blake Goodwin and Paul Rice from Proportion Design at the start there, talking about their excitement for this project, which has me excited. We'll hear more from Blake and Paul in this first episode, setting the stage for our book cover design project. One of the reasons I started the Design Museum is I'm so fascinated by design process, and I'm kind of obsessed with showing people the how and why designers do the things they do. I think that obsession stems from the fact that design is so ubiquitous and so important in our world. It shapes everything, and yet people don't always know how designers work or what they do, how they bring value to projects. Thankfully, that's changing. That's great but I'm constantly looking for ways to uncover or demystify the design process for folks. Which leads me to this project and this podcast. I'm writing a book about starting Design Museum Everywhere, and I've partnered with Proportion Design. They're a full service branding and design firm here in the Boston area, and they're going to design the cover of the book. Over the next nine weeks, Proportion will design the cover and I'll capture everything and share their progress with you week to week on this podcast and on the blog at insidefrontcover.com. I'll also ask for you to weigh in on the design concepts and directions on social media. So we're all in this together. The book I'm writing tells the story of launching a creative startup from zero to now 13 years later. It's really my love letter to the incredible journey my team and I went on to create something from nothing. We started not only a new organization, but a whole new kind of museum, a museum without a single location. And we built just this amazing community in the process. But the book doesn't stop there. Over the years, folks with their own creative startup ideas have often asked me for advice on starting their own ventures. So I decided to include in the book tips and real world advice on launching your own creative startup. 
What do I mean by a creative startup? When I hear from folks who want to start a business, it's often to start something that's never been done before. So there's no playbook, no perfect plan, no specific steps to follow. My creative startup ended up being a design museum that doesn't have a single building. Instead, we pop up exhibitions and events and education programs all over the city in places people already go, like schools, public buildings, unused retail shops, outside on the street, and online. Other creative startups that come to mind for me, I mean, fortunately, I don't need to look far. I'll I'll mention a few of my friends doing some amazing things. So my friend Liz Powers worked as a social worker in Boston and saw that the art being produced in shelters and disability centers was getting tossed. And she constantly heard from folks there that they wanted opportunity, not just a handout. So Liz and her team started art lifting to elevate the artwork of folks in shelters, creating a two-sided market that funnels the lion's share of each art sale directly back to the artists. Matt MacArthur saw a need for affordable studio space for musicians who wanted to boost the music scene in Boston, and Matt wanted to support independent artists. He founded the record company as a nonprofit that offers accessible space to anyone so they can make their music. And then lastly, I'll mention Ross Chanowski. Him and his team started New Market, an innovative crowdfunding approach to starting new businesses. Design Museum Everywhere, Art Lifting, The Record Company, and New Market are great examples of creative startups, right? They're a twist or a totally new business model that breaks the mold, super clever, and you know, ends up providing a lot of value to its community. If you're thinking of starting a creative startup, you likely have a unique vision, but you're figuring it out as you go. And maybe in that way, you might say every startup is a creative startup. And you might be right. My book tells the story of my and my team's creative startup journey while also giving advice applicable to anyone in any business idea. So the big question, how does someone go about designing a cover for a book like this? Well, that's what we're going to find out as I experience the client side of working with a design firm like Proportion Design. In this episode, we'll hear directly from the two founders of Proportion Design, and they'll walk us through the design process we're going to go through over the next nine weeks. But before we get into their design process, I wanted to share a bit about the first design project we did like this. In full view and in collaboration with the public, this was 10 years ago. So I want to bring in the co-founder of Design Museum Boston, Derek Cassio. My name is Derek Cassio. I am a designer by by training. Um, I worked as a college professor for the last 10 years in different roles. Um, I ran the department at Wentworth Institute of Technology and ultimately reached the rank of associate dean up until um, last September when I left to start a new business. Um, So I'm an entrepreneur as well, I guess you could say. Um, I'm an illustrator, a graphic designer. I do some video work on the side. Yeah, I mean that's I do a little uh, jack of all trades. I was gonna say jack of uh, Derek of all trades. Yeah, Derek of all trades. I feel like I've been talking to you about writing this book about starting the museum since like we started it. 
for me, as I was like reminiscing and writing, I just want to get your take on this, like seeing it all in one place and like seeing what we pulled off. A, you know, of course, you and I are biased. It was amazing. But also, yeah, like, was, I was, like, was so good, good time. <laughs> dizzying. Like, how... I just want to get your reaction. Like, thinking about what we pulled off, like, against all odds. When I talk to people about it, it doesn't seem real. And I don't often... Uh, I remember there was one point in time, it was about a two-month stretch where you and I were sleeping about three hours a night. Yeah. Like, I thought about that the other day. And I was like, how? how? The first chapter of my book is about convincing yourself that you should move forward with your startup idea. I believe you are the first customer for your own idea. So I wanted to ask Derek something I've never asked him before. What was it like for him at the very beginning of our startup journey? Well, there were a couple of facts. I think number one is, you know, I, I just, we'd been doing IDSA for so long that it was, for me, it was just like, okay, we're going to shift the energy from there to here. So it wasn't like it was adding a lot of it, at least at the time, I didn't think that. And then, and then the, the idea of what it was, um, it wasn't what it turned into initially, right? We, we thought we were going to have a full-on building, which I had no perception or idea of what that would actually entail. So We were so naive. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think there's a lot to that. Like, yeah, we're, we're going to do this and it can be whatever we want it to be. It, like, so if ultimately it ends up being something that's not as grandiose or whatever, I was fine with that. Like, you know. It was, it was effectively, how do we do what we were doing at IDSA, but with a different focus on it? And if it turned into something bigger, great. And if, it, and if it ended up being something smaller and more manageable with what we were doing, I was fine with that too. I just thought, okay, well, this, this is a thing that, you know, nobody's doing it and, it and it would be a fun thing to do together. So why not? And then when, when we did the Shift Boston, you know, initial run of, okay, this is, this is what a physical museum could look like in the hopes that, oh, we'll get some seed funding or you know, it'll get on somebody's radar. And we had that first, you know, I, I mean that I remember. Yeah. I remember very, very vividly the ceremony that we went to and the dude from the, the Boston design blog, which I don't, I don't know if it's even a thing anymore, like put a camera in our face and they're like, who are you guys? And we're like, Oh, we're design museum, Boston. That was when that was real for me. Derek and I may be co-founders of the museum, but there are so many people who were part of its launch and growth. Because first and foremost, the, the most important thing we did was build a community around our idea. Why was community the first thing that we did? Well, because we had nothing. <laughs> we didn't have any money. We didn't have any, we didn't have anything. We only had that. And, and that was from years of building up trust through the other events and things that we did around, you know, the, the design community. So we started with the folks that we knew we didn't have money, but we did have uh, at least a reputation, which you could leverage to, and, and that reputation was that, oh, you know, they make cool, they do cool events. Like, okay. So if there's an event that's happening and, and, you know, they trust that we're going to execute it and for what it's worth, I mean, I think we both are capable of talking Yeah. and, and, you know, I think that, that being able to stand up in front of a group of people and articulate a vision clearly is not an easy thing to do. Um, even if you're changing that vision while you're talking to them, I know. And, and so being able, that's, a, that's a whole, you know, I quit. It's funny. I, I've been listening to a lot of um, stand-up comedians talk about comedy mm. and how to craft a joke and how to craft a story that you have to tell in 30 seconds to elicit an emotional reaction. Very, very similar. Yeah, and, that's cool. and, you know, the way that you're going to, you're going to put a word in one place and, and you're going to 
reveal something later on and you're going to talk about, you're going to set up a whole thing with a payoff at the end. Very similar to getting up in front of somebody and talking about, you know, what you want to do with a particular project you're working on. Our community started with the people in our network and we grew it with an online social network and with tons of events introducing the design museum to folks in and around Boston. At every turn, the community was there to support us, whether it was helping make a connection or volunteering to help install an exhibition or giving financial support. The community literally never failed us. So when it came time to design the new logo for the design museum and really a whole brand around this new direction of what a museum could be, the community was there for us. This pro- and then this project to design a new brand and to do it in full view of the public and get their feedback. This was your brainchild. I wanted to like, how did you, what was the idea? How did it come together? We knew, I think the, the core thing was we knew what at that point, what the museum was going to be. Like we knew we wanted to have these, these pop-up exhibitions and these distributed, you know, exhibits all over the place and there was going to be something core central connecting it at the website or whatever that was going to be. So, you know, when you talk about brand and what is brand, right? Brand versus brand identity. Like we knew what we wanted the brand of the, and what the message was and all the other pieces. We didn't have the identity really. Right. So we had all the other stuff, I think pretty well ironed out, or at least enough that we could talk about it cohesively and not sound like we were making it up on the spot. And we knew that we had a lot of connections within the design community that had done amazing branding work. And we said, well, let's, you know, and particularly with, with Continuum, because we had a number of folks that we knew there through Brian and, and through John Magnifico, who's a classmate of mine, like year below me, but who does amazing work. Um, and and uh, Will Thomas was there. And I think there were some other folks um, involved in that. But we started reaching out to folks that we knew in that community and pitch that idea of, you know, if this is going to be about educating the public about design, why not use this as a project to educate the public about design? I mean, it seems like a no brainer, right? Like yeah. we, we need to do this and, and it's great. You know, it's a great, well, we talked publicity component. Yeah. About oh, yeah. the fact that people don't get to see designers yeah. do their work. It's all behind closed doors. Yeah. And yeah, this was an opportunity. Well, and, and so when we, when we approached, uh, you know, Chris Machat over at, at Continuum and, and Brian. Really, I think we started with Brian, I think. Um, and we talked about what we wanted to do. You know, they were they were totally game. So over about nine weeks, the design team at Continuum designed a totally new brand for the design museum. And the designers at Continuum posted weekly progress on core77.com. So people could see their work and comment. And the comments and feedback were so awesome. I'll post some of those links to the Core 77 blog posts on this show's blog at insidefrontcover.com. So you could check those out. That was the project that inspired this show. We'll do something similar with Proportion designing the book cover and me documenting the process on this podcast and on the show blog. Okay, after a quick break, we'll meet the co-founders of Proportion Design and learn about the design process they'll use to design the book cover. Back to that question, how does someone approach a project like this? You might think someone sits down and draws the cover of the book, probably on a computer, and you're not wrong. 
but there's so much more that goes into the good design that we see around us. There's so much that happens before a designer even puts pen to paper and draws something. In fact, as you'll hear, words, writing, communication, they're all just as important as the visual component of the work designers do. Let me introduce Blake and Paul, co-founders of Proportion Design. My name is Blake Goodwin, uh, co-founder and current partner and president of Proportion Design. And I'm, uh, I'm Paul Rice, um, co-founder and creative director of Proportion Design. We are a boutique branding and design agency. We're based out of uh, Malden Center, which is just slightly north of Boston, um, kind of the greater Boston region. We're seven people total. We actually just um, hired an art director this week, which we're, we're very excited about, very talented, um, as is everybody we, we try, to, try to work with. Um, and historically, we, we try to cover a lot of different industries and project types. But uh, with that said, I'd say the majority of our work is hospitality, real estate, and then we kind of expand outward from there into some lifestyle um, and consumer types of projects and industries. And, and that goes down to our, our process. You know, our, our, with everything we design, it goes down, drills down into sort of a branding process, um, thinking about it holistically. And, you know, we're, we're super thoughtful about what we do when it comes to, to branding and design and almost too thoughtful sometimes. Um, and, and we want everything to, to drill down into meaning and, and purpose that we're not just drawing pretty pictures. There's, right. there's, there's reason behind everything. Design processes vary from person to person and from team to team, and even project to project. Most designers have sort of a touchstone North Star of a process they keep returning to and iterating on. But every creative process is more like a guideline, right? Things change, you need to adapt. But with that said, you can really tell Blake and Paul have put a ton of thought into how they do the work they do. And it's clear in their work. They have this really interesting approach to working with each individual unique client and creating awesome outcomes. To give us a structure for this project and for this show, I asked the Proportion team to lay out their design process in phases. So think of these sort of as like seven steps that we're gonna go on our path to the final book cover design. So that's one, discovery. Two, market competition and comparables. Three, target audience composite and example personas. Four, brand attributes and design inspiration. Five, initial creative directions. Six, design and refinement. And seven, updates and final. Where, so the process starts with discovery. Paul, what is discovery? How do you do it? So discovery is arguably the most important part of the process where we act as sponges to, to just pull all the information out of, well, for this, uh, this project, you <laughs> and um, anyone else involved in, in writing and, and working on this book and really thinking about um, you know, what is at the core of this, this book? Why is it, why is it being published? What's, what's the purpose? Um, and thinking about 
also who is this book for? Yeah, it's it's important to to know where our partners' um, initial ideas of where they want it to go. Um, it's important to know that in order to to be able to navigate and and uh, you know fit our ideas into in into the conversation. So I've got your process here. So let's move into uh, market competition and comparables. What does that mean? For these types of things, for competition, as we try to be like, all right, who do we feel? And this is another question we would ask you know, our partners, who do you feel is doing it the best and why? And what aspects of their branding um, or their products or anything are they doing well? Um, it's really all about setting the bar pretty high so we can then even try to jump over that and, and set it even higher with our work. One thing overall with the entire process is really to get you know our partners at the table talking and thinking about about the project in in certain structured ways um you know sort of our structure that um that's kind of the 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 biggest underlying thing it's really getting folks comfortable with with some of these discussions around brand and around the elements of of the com- of these companies brands and you know again getting them to speak to what they feel is successful and not successful. Um, And then also to directly answer your question, we're also bringing to the table what we feel is successful and not successful with our, what we're showing. All right. So after that, we get into sort of like the target audience and personas. What does that look like um, on your projects? Trying to get people to really think critically about who they're trying to sell something to and what does that person actually value in life, but also in what they associate with. Um, That's fundamentally what we're trying to do with the target audience stuff. Yeah. Initially when we started out, there was a lot of discussion on, on demographics and, and some of the, some of the data around that. And we've sort of switched it to, to psychographic um, profiles where, you know, it, it doesn't matter uh, how much this person is making. You know, it, it does, but they're all pieces of of this overall uh, identity that that we develop for ourselves, and we want to make sure that we're fitting in into that um, that identity with what we create for this for this audience. So you get that shared understanding um, in terms of like the who. And then moving into these brand attributes, design inspiration, what's that transition process look like? So again, it's it's all this this funnel process. Like you said, we we have all this data, all this information that we've sponged in from the top of the funnel. Um, we sort of drilled down into the audience, and then drilling down further into these brand attributes, these sort of pillars that that we are going to own in the marketplace. Um, we, we select three attributes that we feel feel like can, can really define uh, what our brand is. And, and those will have to differentiate from the competition, you know, looking at what the, the comp set, um, what their attributes are, what they're presenting to the world, um, differentiating from those 
and then looking at the target audience and um, seeing what relates to them and and really picking some some unique words that that can really help um, again define and, and get everyone on the same page and make sure everything is is coming back to those those three pillars initial creative directions here as this next step what happens then you're taking all of this you got the words you got the three pillars the attributes you got the personas now you're putting pen to paper on visuals yeah so so thinking about you know that target audience um you know, branding is is taking cues from the familiar to define the unknown so we're we're sort of taking these these cues from what's familiar within the space um be it color palette uh, uh graphic forms um materiality yeah take taking you know ev everything has uh connotations and and connections to it be it color or or materials or um you know we associate different things to it, apply our different meanings to to those uh those aspects of of brands based on culture based on based on the brands we see out there um and and it's constantly changing through through the years and so we're we're trying to sort of use those those cues that that relate to the market we're in that relate to what um what our audience values and and pulling them all together and in, in a unique way yeah around that that identity that the attributes started to shape up so you've got a direction maybe it's a little bit of this and mostly this then you're getting into design and refinement what's the work look like that you all are doing in the office at that point yeah that then we're fully into developing identity and that uh is often you know naming and stuff like that as well and some key messaging and then obviously the visual identity system concepts um everything from that approved sort of final creative direction is is derivative of that creative direction that's that's the north star for the project at that point um so really taking design cues and uh creative development cues from that strategy and that approved creative direction to to ideate you know the logo concepts or you know what types of imagery accompany this logo concept or this visual design direction uh color palettes typography you name it um and then also things like touched upon naming and messaging as well. We usually get into things like tone of voice to a degree, um, big and hospitality, um, stuff like that. So we funneled down into this, essentially this visual center, this, this core. Yeah. Um, and, and then we sort of funnel back out uh, in, into all the pieces that, that come together to, to um, make that identity. So then you get to the final and so I'm so curious, like how you guys like celebrate as a team and also with the client, whether it's like you go to the restaurant or you're holding the book, like what's that feeling when like you did it? Uh, I, I'd say that pro it, it's funny. There are a couple of steps in which there's some of that celebration. Um, one of them that always resonates with me is when it starts for restaurants and the built space and everything that is usually like a kickoff party or something like that but once it starts to hit the media 
is always kind of like when you know it's going it's going out there to even more people um that's kind of the moment for me personally where it's like oh boy here we go when it's all wrapped up and you get the client saying you guys nailed it um we're getting feedback from our our clients saying how how wonderful it is or how you know how great the restaurant is or what have you that that's that's what excites me is is you know making people happy for these brands like i mean for me like this is someone this is my dream like this is like you know you're like bringing someone into so there's got to be some like euphoria around like new like brand it's like their vision and dream and then like you see the visual that so connects with it and you're like i was like angels (laughs) coming down and like singing (laughs) like it's awesome it's always generally uh pretty personal personal Mm -hmm. to to everybody so to get that feedback like what paul was mentioning is is always great It, it reminds you like oh yeah this is why we're doing this there you have it That's the process we'll chronicle in the show. And each week I'll share their progress on insidefrontcover.com and on social media. I'm going to be asking for your thoughts and for your feedback. Before I let Blake and Paul go, I had a bit of a confession about our project. Um, I have a confession. This is like for, for next week in our work. I don't have a title for this book yet. And I, my question is, is that going to, hold back our process. I'm like, I'm working on it and I'm, you know, the attributes, once we get up to that aspect and, and actually even mm, most of this process will be informative for you too, as well around, around some of the ideation and the concepts that you might have swirling about for a title or might result in totally new concepts. We actually, in our process, oftentimes don't have a name until after the creative directions. Um, and because the, the discovery yeah. and, and, you know, all those pieces early on developing the brand, you, you don't need a, a name yet. Um, that's part of the identity that that's built. That made me feel good. We can figure out the title of this book together. In fact, I'll launch some polls on social media to get your feedback on some of my initial ideas and, You can also share your own ideas as well. So stay tuned for that online. And then next week is our first real step, discovery. I'll be heading into the proportion office for some in-depth conversations about what the book is, who it's for, and more. And it's like you'll be there too because I'm going to record everything. So stay tuned for that. Inside Front Cover is written and produced by me, Sam Aquilano. Our theme music is fittingly titled Creative Week by Immersive Music. Thanks, and we'll talk again next week.